Welcome, welcome to the Clean Simple Free Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Fox, and I'm happy to be hosting yet another episode of the show. When I first launched this podcast, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know if it would go anywhere, and I had no publishing schedule. And you guys tuned in and shared this podcast with your friends and decided to support me through listening. And that is so awesome. I love being able to record new episodes for you every other Wednesday and seeing thousands of you tune in to listen to the conversations that I write for you. So thank you for doing that. I just wanted to express my gratitude. We actually had a podcast milestone. I say we because as a listener, this is a milestone for you too because you've helped make this possible. Clean Simple Free has had over half a million individual downloads. We're actually coming up on 600,000. That means that over half a million of you have tuned into the show. So thank you for helping me get here. Thanks for telling your friends about the show. Keep sending me messages with what you'd like to hear next or even just saying hi and that you like the show because as a content creator, that's really encouraging. You don't always hear that. And if you can afford it, please consider donating 99 cents a month to support my efforts. I'd love to do this full time. I'd love to start expanding the podcast with more content features and more frequent episodes. But this podcast is still a one woman operation and I cannot keep up with it without financial support from my listeners. Please consider growing this podcast with me and thank you for continuing to listen and sharing it with your friends. My guest this week is Dave Sells, one of the co-founders of an organic specialty coffee marketplace called Better Grounds. Dave is a really genuine guy who's truly passionate about coffee, and he discusses some of the unethical practices in the coffee trade, what we can do to practice due diligence when consuming coffee, and shares his favorite coffee experience. I found this talk really interesting and fun, and I hope you will too. Stick around! My name is Dave Sells, and I am a co-founder, along with my longtime friend Tyler, of Better Grounds, an organic specialty coffee subscription and marketplace. My background does not start in coffee. Rather, my education is in finance and business, and career background spans from bank regulation to most recently executive management. However, I like so many, and increasingly so um, here lately, have have had a long term strong desire to spend more of my time in a space I was both passionate about, but also believe there was an opportunity to help influence real positive change. And here recently, along with Tyler, had the opportunity to make that a reality and we launched Better Grounds. The first thing I noticed when I went on the Better Grounds website, I was impressed by the variety of coffee for sale. You have Guatemalan coffee, Ethiopian coffee, coffee from Honduras, Colombia, Mexico, how do you go about sourcing from such a wide variety of countries? Great question. So there are over 70 producing sort of coffee regions in the world. You know, as far as selecting coffees, we really have two filter processes. The first of those is to find the roasters that we're going to partner with and the coffees from them that we're going to feature. So, you know, that first filter process for the roasters is, you know, we're looking for roasters who are sourcing really high quality, high scoring coffees, uh, roasting them with intention very thoughtfully roasting coffees to extract the best flavor from coffee. Um, and then we're also looking at, you know, their sourcing practices, the partnerships that they establish at the farm level, 
people, uh, as well as the community presence, both locally and abroad. So that's that first filter processes for how we select roasters. And then from a coffee perspective, to go one layer deeper for how do we select the coffees from those roasters, you know, that's a similar process. So we're looking for taste experience. Again, want to make sure that we're selecting really delicious coffees that have a wide range of different flavor profiles. So coffee is incredibly complex. Many people don't know that coffee has more taste components than wine even. Um, so the spectrum and the taste potential of coffee is, is really, really, really diverse. So we want to explore all of those. So depending on the region that it's grown in and the altitude that it's grown in, uh, the type of varietal of plant, that's going to have you know different taste characteristics as well as the way that that coffee roasted. So we want to curate, you know, coffees that taste really great, that have a wide variety of really interesting flavor profiles. Um, and then sort of similar to how we select for the roasters, we're looking for coffees where above average prices were paid for those coffees, where there are long-term relationships established with the producers. And then we're looking for coffees that are grown organically. That's really interesting. I am a coffee lover. I'm by no means a connoisseur, but I had never heard that, that there are more taste components than wine in coffee. Yeah, it's 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 something that really has not had the same attention. I mean, even coffee, when it comes down to how it's grown, the different varietals, the processing methods and how that impacts flavor. It's something that we we really hear little about. So the craft that exists behind, you know, coffee is really interesting and really diverse and increasingly so today. There's a lot of experimentation that's going on in, in coffee, but um, it definitely gets less attention than, let's say, craft beer or the whiskey markets or the wine market. What's your personal favorite product that you carry? That is a really hard question to answer. <laughs> um, I think, you know, something that I love so much about coffee is that discovery process. And okay. what is really cool about coffee for me is that every coffee has this really unique story. You know, coffee is a fruit that is grown on a tree that is planted, you know, in the soil somewhere in the world. And the flavor of that coffee, you know, as mentioned, is influenced so heavily by those conditions and that soil and the treatment of it. So every coffee to me is this like new process of discovering and of being connected to the people and the places that produce that individual coffee. So part of the fun is exploring the different varieties of taste, exploring the potential that coffee has. I do tend to gravitate towards really fruit forward coffees like an Ethiopian natural or a high elevation Colombian coffee. So we have a coffee from Noble in Ashland, Oregon, that was our featured coffee in the month of February and is a Columbia, Finlandia. And it was grown by one producer in the Tolima region of Colombia. And that's just a great expression of how a coffee can be really bright and have sort of these tart, you know, fruit notes, but a creamy buttery body. So it's just all around like one of those cups of coffee where you take a sip and you just, you just want to smile and you want to keep going back, back for more. So it's hard to answer what one favorite is because mm -hmm. the fun of coffee is depending on the mood or the weather outside. It's trying something new and different all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, that is the fun part. <laughs> Do you guys feature a new coffee every month or... 
We do. So Better Grounds features a new roaster every single month. So ultimately, our goal is to find and partner with and share the story of the roasters out there who are we think doing best by all members of the supply chain. So that's you know how they're roasting coffee, that's their business practices, that's how they're paying for it. And so we want to feature them, tell their story, and help connect people to their coffees. Uh, so we feature a new roaster every month, we tell their story, and we highlight a couple of their coffees across the different uh, roast spectrum. That leads me into one of my next questions, which I guess is not really a question. I was reading the why page on the Better Grounds website, For our listeners, I'm going to elaborate a bit. It talks about the high quality of the coffee, how you carry only certifiably organic. But the part that really grabbed my attention on that page is that you talk about influencing better buying practices and fair trade transparency. And I think a lot of us are vaguely familiar with the fact that coffee isn't always a fair trade industry. But can you speak a little more to that and how Better Grounds is different in terms of ethical sourcing? Around 125 million people, roughly, depend on the coffee trade for their livelihoods. Um, however, many of these people live in poverty, and a high percentage of them are estimated to live in extreme poverty. The majority of, of coffee, you know, and talking about the complexity of flavor in coffee, the supply chain is equally as complex most of the time. Coffee passes from growers to traders to processors to exporters to then be sold on the open market. And when sold on the open market, coffee is typically sold at prices that are dictated by the commodity markets. Large global buyers tend to drive these prices. They tend to drive these prices in one direction, which is down. And a lot of coffee is, at the end of the day, sold below the actual cost to produce it. So as a result, insufficient income at all levels leads to cost cutting and bad labor practices. If I'm a small farmer without access to processing equipment or means to trade my coffee personally, I'm at the mercy of what makes its way back to me after I send my coffee fruit off. And it's simply not been enough for too long. Fair trade, the certification that is, was established to set a floor for the price paid for coffee at export as well as uh, strives to set standards to invest in quality and infrastructure and to follow ethical labor practices. The challenge with fair trade, the certification, is that the floor set is shown to be too low in many places. Uh, it, It hasn't kept up with increased cost of living in many places of the world. And while it sets a minimum for the price paid at export, it doesn't necessarily trace income back to farmers. So as mentioned, at export, it's possible that that coffee passed through three different hands from the time it left the farmer. So everyone along the way is taking some of that. So fair trade doesn't necessarily provide any any traceability back to the farmer and what is actually going to their pockets. What we look for from a roaster perspective and what these exceptional roasters we're working with are doing is establishing more direct long-term mutually beneficial relationships. So instead of trying to buy the best quality coffee for as cheap as possible, roasters and importers are finding farms and co-ops with a quality product. They are paying them a fair, oftentimes voluntarily higher price than the market to provide more sustainable wages for the producers and then working with them year after year. In some of the best case scenarios that we see, they're actually contracting to buy next season's harvest. So 
for a individual small producer, this allows them to feel a little security. I have, you know, I know that I've contracted to sell my crop next year, which now enables me to reinvest in my farm, in my equipment, in my employees, et cetera. And over time, that results in an even better product, which is in the best interest of the farmer and the end roaster as well. The yeah. difference is, is not treating coffee like a commodity that should be bought at dirt cheap prices, but rather as a two-way partnership where everyone can win together. And it, it seems obvious, but for a trade like coffee that frankly is rooted in colonialism and slave labor, it's, it's been a very long and, and, and slow road. A lot of the roasters that, that we're working with and what we talk about on the this, on this site is that they operate in a really transparent way. So they're documenting and publishing or willing to share how much they're paying for coffee, to whom they're paying it, uh, and then where those dollars are going and how they're making it back to the farmer who's depending on those wages for their livelihoods. And then the you know, last thing I'll mention on that is outside of paying more for coffee, we see a lot of programs to reinvest above and beyond the price of coffee and infrastructure for these coffee communities. So when we talk about really fair trade or going above and beyond fair trade, it's not only the price of coffee that's paid, um, but it's that, again, mutual partnership and investing in a long-term relationship where everyone can advance and win together. The specialty coffee community recognizes, even if taking a purely selfish view that if these coffee producers are not supported and their standard of living is not raised, there will be no next generation of farmers to work with as people are forced to find other means of, of earning income. Um, so on average, the coffees that you know we're supporting are being bought uh, for multiples of the commodity market price and multiples of the, the fair trade established minimum. That's all very insightful. You know, I've mentioned sustainability and sustainable shopping on this podcast before. And it's interesting to think about if we are recycling and we're shopping slow fashion and sustainably, we might be sipping on a cup of coffee and not even realizing how unethical our coffee brand may be. So that's interesting to think about. It's true. And I think what we find from the trade perspective, or as well as when we talk about, you know, why we prioritize uh, organic and the other environmental factors that surround coffee, to me, from my personal journey, I think the reason for that is we're just so far removed from coffee. And it really has not had the same degree of, of attention. If we think about our coffee, it's we go to the shelf and it's a commodity that exists and it should cost a certain amount that we're used to. And coffee is coffee. It, you know, maybe there are slight variations in flavor or branding, but at the end of the day, a lot of times we have treated coffee like coffee. And I think part of that is it's so far out of sight, out of mind. You know, we can visualize the apple that we're eating, we can visualize that on the tree, or maybe we even have access to go to the orchard and pick the apple. But coffee is grown for us, you know, at least in the West is, is grown in places pretty far from where we live. And so we don't have access to those farms. We don't see these coffee fields with, you know, cherries growing on trees. So we're so far removed that I think we have a hard time, you know, extrapolating that this is what's in my cup and this is an agricultural product like all the other things I'm buying in the produce aisle. Can you tell me about your give back program where you donate to nonprofits? Absolutely. So we donate a percentage of all of our sales to the Chain Collaborative. Uh, the Chain Collaborative is a nonprofit organization that invests in change leaders in coffee growing regions. Currently, they are working on a project in South 
West Uganda. So this is in a small coffee growing community that there are roughly 300 of these smallholders. Well, when in a rural area, in a fairly impoverished area, as a coffee farmer, we talked about those different layers and different hands that coffee passes through. Uh, these smallholders, they really don't have access to the means to process their coffee themselves. They don't have access to export it themselves. So they're sort of at the mercy of the market. What they do is they grow their coffee, they harvest their cherries, and then they sell their cherries to traders. And so these traders go around and buy coffee for really cheap from all of these farmers without access to their own infrastructure. And then they go and take them to export in larger quantities. Um, so in that scenario, these farmers are at the mercy of, you know, the little amount that they can sell their coffee cherries for. And they might not even know what they have. They don't know what the quality of their product is. So what the Chain Collaborative is doing in this case with this project is they're actually helping fund the construction of a processing mill. So for this community, it's really transformative because all of a sudden I don't have any means of production. And now as a farmer, I own the means of production. So I can process my harvested cherries into the dried green bean that now has far more value to sell. So what the Chain Collaborative does that I think is really unique is that they invest directly in the people of the community. So instead of some traditional models, let's say I'm a large brand, a large buyer, and the way that I'm going to unlock more value in this community is maybe I'm going to invest in infrastructure, but I'm going to own a piece of that. So at the end of the day, really the farmers or the local communities are still employed by the infrastructure that was adding. What's different with the Chain Collaborative is they get behind change leaders in the community and help them realize their vision to help and give back to the community. So in this case, in Uganda, with this mill, all of the farmers, the community owns this mill. So they own the means of production. So any profits that they're able to realize as a result of this, they own, which is a really, really powerful thing for these communities who haven't had that type of support, haven't owned those means of, of production in the past. Time for a quick break for a word from our sponsors. And welcome back to the episode. Do you have a brick and mortar store or is Better Grounds just online? Better Grounds is all online. We, we do not have a brick and mortar store. So our, our goal is to feature the coffees and the roasters from around the country that are doing really great work. Really what we found is that what inspired us to, to start Better Grounds was the realization that all coffee was not created equal and that all specialty coffee was not created equal. Personally, through my own journey as a, a sort of specialty coffee obsessed, you know, used to you know, go and, and was drinking the specialty product that was made by a cool barista. And I thought this has to be good. But as you start to ask more questions and learn more, find out, well, that's not always the case with specialty coffee. Personally, I can walk to three brick and mortar coffee shops from where I live that all serve a really nice tasting cup of coffee, but I truly cannot get a cup of of organic coffee from any of those shops. So what we found was the the challenge is not that there isn't access to coffee out there, but finding coffee that is at that intersection of quality and organic can be really challenging. Um, and then convenient access to it can be really challenging. So uh, instead of introducing buying our own coffee and roasting our own coffee, we want to support the people out there who are already doing a really exceptional job of sourcing coffee in the right way, roasting it really well and, and bringing it to market. 
Awesome. What inspired you to make the change to working in coffee? You said you were working in finance before? That's correct. There are really two sources of, of inspiration for Better Grounds. I, mean, I think actually making the transition was rooted in that you know, desire to do something that I felt a stronger connection to and also something that could be a vessel for good. And I think coffee is that. Personally, you know, kind of going on that, that journey, there are two sources of strong inspiration for Better Grounds. The first of those being the love for discovering and experiencing what specialty coffee has to offer. And the second being a deep concern for the impact of chemical dependent agriculture practices on people and our planet. So for the first of those speaking personally, I've mentioned I've been obsessed with coffee for a long time and absolutely love discovering new coffees. A lot of that started, I had both the need for work and fortune personally to travel a good bit throughout the US and internationally. And through those travels, I discovered and experienced some really incredible coffees. I've always loved prior to touching down a new place, doing some deep research to find where to get the best coffee, centering mm -hmm. my days around those experiences, and then being able to take those away and share those experiences with other people. Um, I'll admit that I've been asked many times, do we really need to walk a mile out of our way or drive 30 minutes in the opposite direction for that coffee? And, and the answer is, <laughs> is always yes. But it comes back to, I love the craft of, of coffee. I love the complexity that we've talked about uh, with coffee and with Better Grounds. We get to do just that, discover and taste uh, and share coffee you know, with, with people in a public community. So coming back to the second of those being the environmental concern, the, the second source of inspiration centers around coffee and that realization that this is a problem. Uh, I personally drank coffee for so long without knowing that coffee was a seed of a fruit which grows on a tree that's grown all over the world in quantities greater than most other crops. I had this high level awareness of the consequences of large scale chemical intensive agriculture on our food supply and, and made some significant shifts in the way I bought and consumed food. But coffee wasn't even on my radar for a long time. And I think as we discussed a little bit in part, that's because we're so far removed from the product that is the coffee fruit. But coffee is one of the most chemically treated crops in the world. Like so much of agriculture, the story goes, Larger producers acquire more land, cut down native forests, plant monocrop fields, and then use large quantities of pesticides and herbicides to protect plants that are no longer protected by native tree and ground cover. Yield increases in the short term, but the soil and ecosystem are destroyed in the long term. Farmers experience health complications from chemical exposure. Air and water pollution becomes a problem for the surrounding communities, and those consuming the product are exposed to residual chemicals. In realizing all of this, I started looking for organic specialty coffee and found that it just wasn't as easy as it should be to find. Um, you know, in talking about being able to walk, you know, in the city to a few coffee shops, but not not being able to find a, a cup of organic coffee. What I eventually found was that you know these roasters, they're out there, they're doing tremendous work, and the hard thing is that a lot of us. With all products, there's so much information, there's so much that we're being told we need to think about and be aware of, but do we really have the time, the energy to do the due diligence to understand where our products come from? And so the thought is, hey, this is something I'm passionate about. I can't be alone in this, right? That's where the inspiration yeah. for Better Grounds came from. Yeah, it's hard to keep up our same old practices when we're made aware of the impact. Like I remember the first time I found out about certain industries, especially fast fashion, I was like, oh my gosh, so I just, I really can't go back to the same way I used to shop. 
And I imagine in the same way with learning so much about the coffee industry and the impact that it has, you were probably very similar. Exactly. I think it's, you know, so it's so true with, you know, so many industries out there. There's this fine balance between economic progress and, you know, environmental impact. And it's, it's, it's a delicate balance where incentives aren't often aligned. And I think that we find today as you were curious and, and, and hopefully we're asking questions about, you know, our products, whether it's our food supply or whether it's the clothes we wear, or it's the plastic cup that's manufactured. Once we really start asking, Hey, where, where does this come from? Who makes this? How is this made? What are the materials that are making this up? What is the impact that that has? I, I think it's, it's very eye-opening. And I think that applies to so many industries, absolutely coffee. Um, and you're right. Once you peel back that curtain and really understand it's, it's hard to go back. Absolutely. I actually have a question for you that I got the idea for it from the stories section of your website, but I thought it was such a cool question. What's the best cup of coffee you've ever had? Oh, goodness. Um, that is a loaded question. <laughs> so I, I really, I, I do go back um, to, I mentioned traveling for work and I have to go to this and it's, it's admittedly not one cup of coffee. So hopefully, you know, that's not seen as a, a cop out, but um, <laughs> it was really my like gateway to specialty coffee was in Chicago in the South Loop. I used to travel there for work quite frequently. And every time I did, so I'm, I'm there for a week or two at a time, uh, every day for around lunchtime, I would walk to the Intelligentsia. And that location, the Intelligentsia, who they're kind of a original player in the specialty space, their coffee can be found all over now. They've grown leaps and bounds since then. But at the time, that shop, they were a pour over only shop. And that was something that was new to me coffee was made in a machine. You got a drip. Well, here you go in and every single coffee was made. There was a line of, of five or six baristas that were constantly making a couple different kinds of pour over coffee. It was all incredibly fresh. They had these really bright, interesting flavor profiles. And that's where I got to like really discover coffee because every day I would go in, I would try whatever was on the brew bar and it was always something different. So the first day it was like, wow, this really fruity Ethiopian coffee that you can taste the blueberry in it. And I was like, I've never tasted blueberry in coffee. That's crazy. And then the next day it's this, you know, bright washed Colombian and you can taste the citrus in it. It's like, oh, wow, I've never, you know, had that experience on my tongue with coffee before. So it was this way of, of going there day after after day and trying their rotating selections and just experiencing almost, you know, side by side, the different potential of coffee. So I always go back to that time going to that intelligentsia as kind of what really jump-started my specialty coffee adventure. Very cool. Yeah. I just had to ask, especially when you said that you, you traveled a lot and tried a lot of different coffee. I was like, Oh, I know what I can ask him. <laughs> yeah. Very fair. And we actually, whenever we talk to a roaster, always ask them, what is that, you know, that coffee experience? Cause I feel everyone has, everyone has either that, that one cup that's really memorable to them or that, you know, that collection um, of experiences yeah. like I shared, where it's just like this, aha moment. You know, you just have this coffee and it's like, I had no idea that this world existed and that coffee could taste like this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's about it for my questions. Am I missing anything or is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I, it's, it's been a lot of fun talking with you, Ashley, and I appreciate you having me on and thanks for the conversation. 
That wraps up this week's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Visit bettergrounds.co to check out all the awesome coffee that Dave was talking about. And you can use code CLEANSIMPLE at checkout for 50% off your first month of a monthly subscription. Visit bettergrounds.co. If you'd like to drop me an email, my email is clean.simple.free at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram at clean.simple.free. Thanks again for tuning in and remember, clean spaces make for a more simple way of life and when life is simplified, your mind will feel free. See you again soon.